and you begin to understand that wealth is really not created on the income statement, it's created on the balance sheet. And you start to apply that to real estate, try to understand how that really works in real estate. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, three full listeners, we've got an awesome guest for us today, um, a real treat. We've got Ben Leibovich joining us today. If you don't already know Ben, you're probably not on Bigger Pockets. Ben's all over Bigger Pockets and has been for a long time, uh, providing great value there. Uh, but just real quick, Ben has been investing in multifamily real estate for over a decade. Uh, he's been a guest on uh, over a dozen real estate-related podcasts, including including Bigger Pockets. Uh, he was on episode 14, 61, 152, and then here re- recently uh, with his partner. Sam on uh, episode 383. So check him out there. Ben was featured on the cover of REI Wealth Monthly and is a public speaker at events across the country. Uh, he's also the creator of Cashflow Freedom University and the author of House Hacking. Um, he began his investment career back in 2006 with small multifamily in Lima, Ohio, um, but today focuses exclusively on syndication of large apartment assets. Through his various company, Ben currently operates over 50 million. I'm guessing that's changing rapidly of real estate in multiple states. So uh, Ben, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you. Thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah. So that was a broad overview. Ben, just real quickly, maybe a minute or two, um, a little bit on your background and how you got into real estate. Uh, well, I was, uh, I, was, I was a classically trained violinist by okay. trade. And um, while in college, I was diagnosed with a condition that made it improbable uh, for me to pursue that career. And so, frankly, it made it uh, unwise uh, to focus on things that would require me to, so to speak, punch the clock because I just, I wasn't sure how long my body was going to hold on and hold up and, and, and be able to function in the way that it should. And so uh, that's what pushed me into real estate, which is looking for answers uh, of how to provide for myself. You're hearing one of those airplanes. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. How to provide for myself, provide for my family. Uh, really was a, and it's interesting, you know, people, people find their way in real estate for one of two reasons. Either they hate their job or they can't plan on doing their job. And in my case, it wasn't that I hated what I did. I loved what I did, but it just, the cards weren't there. And so I needed different, different solutions to life's problems. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got pushed into it, but yeah, to your point, a lot of people, maybe, maybe working, punching the clock is an option. Um, 
maybe not in their mind. Like, like they're just, it's not there for them. They don't have the passion. They don't want to do it anymore. And, or maybe they get laid off, you know, so maybe you could go get another job, but for a lot of people, they're searching for something different. So a little bit different for you, you're pushed into it. So um, I want to go back there. I, I would tell anybody listening to this to listen to Ben on episode 14 uh, on the bigger pockets podcast. Uh, that, that gives a really good um, overview of Ben's background and kind of where he was. So I'd kind of like to go back there, Ben, um, not all the way back to, well, actually, kind of all the way back. Let's go back. Um, you know, you're in Lima, Ohio. Um, you, you've kind of forced out of the, the nine to five world. Um, you decide on investing in real estate. Uh, so how'd you get started? What'd you do? You, don't, you know, it doesn't have to be the first deal, but, you know, kind of what was your mindset then and what'd you start buying? Uh, you know, I went out and bought a piece of real estate. Yeah. Single families. You got a few. Was it single, single family? Yeah. Okay. Single family. Uh, and I, I, uh, I'd set up a line of credit on my house and I yeah. didn't have enough to do both the purchase and the reposition or repositioning the, the renovations. And, uh, it, it was, uh, it was a flip. And so I went to a friend of mine who was better off and I said, Hey, I'll buy it. You finance the renovations or I'll finance the renovations. You give me purchase money loan and I'll give you a mortgage on it. Uh, and that's what we did. And okay. he ended up buying me out on that one actually and ended up keeping it as a rental, which is a whole another. Sure. Yeah. So then you kept, did you keep buying more? Did you use him again or did you start using your own? No, money? that was the, that was the only time for him. Okay. Did you buy a couple more single families after that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. To flip, it didn't did take you? very long to figure out single families in Lima, Ohio. didn't really work very well. And so I shifted fairly quickly into a small multifamily. Is that just because the cash flow wasn't there? Um, it, in the most basic sense of the word, yes. Okay. That's what maybe the scalability of it. I mean, a lot of people run into no, that. The scalability they're... was easy. Um, okay. So you could, I could buy them until, you know, yeah, into infinity. But, um, it, it just, it wasn't enough punch, uh, for the effort. Okay. So you, you transition into multifamily then, um, and, and small multifamily, small, yes. sure. Small. Um, so what was that like? Tell us a little bit about your journey there for through the first, you know, couple few years or whatever. And, 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 you know, people are afraid of small multifamily. I don't understand why they're no different from single family. And you think yeah. under four units is financed with the same mortgage as a single family. Um, you have more redundancy. You have, you know, it, generally speaking, per unit operating costs go down. So I don't really understand this hang up that people have going from single family to small multifamily. Um, when you cross over to the five unit and above, still on the small side, but above four units, it gets a little bit different because the financing looks differently. Sure. You're, you're heading to the commercial side, portfolio loans, things like that. But, um, you know, the simplistic understanding of multifamily as an income producing asset is just that it's, it's income producing asset. And so it's, it's not really any different than underwriting a single family rental. Uh, but in, in most markets, it'll make more sense to buy a small multifamily. Okay. And why do you say that? Uh, because in most, not every market, but in most markets, uh, your price 
ration, uh, ratio relative to uh, rent is yeah. going to be lower on a small multifamily on a per unit basis. Yep. And your costs are going to be lower as well. And yeah. so, you know, if what you care about is cash flow, um, there's more, there's more available in small multifamily. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's what you did for a while. Um, do you remember, um, because your, your goal, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, is basically, yeah, you're, you're looking for cash flow. Um, hearing, hearing you from um, some of those podcasts uh, back then, uh, the one uh, episode 14 that I tell people to go to was from 2013. So you'd kind of been in the game for about seven years at that point. Um, at that point, you had 28 units. I think you had just gotten a 10 unit under contract. Um, so your goal was, was an income, right? A monthly income to pay, it was. To pay for your family's expenses. In the beginning, the goal was very much income, yes. Uh, the, the trouble with income in that perspective is that you find out you're not getting wealthy. Yeah. You are not looking to get wealth. Sure. In the beginning, you have a different kind of need. You have a need for some income. Right. But once you have some income, then you start looking deeper into things. And you begin to understand that wealth is really not created on the income statement. It's created on the balance sheet. And you start to apply that to real estate and try to understand how that really works in real estate. And, um, but in the beginning, it really was all about income. But, but it, was, it was 2013 when I just purchased that 10 unit that, you know, it took me about a year to stabilize it. And once I did stabilize it, it's nice. I still own it. It's a nice building. No, okay. you know, no issues with that building. Uh, the trouble is, where do you go from there? Like, I mean, I had a medical condition and I couldn't work. So I needed an answer to that solution. But when I found the answer to that solution, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, I will be highly disappointed in myself if at the time I retire, all I've got is this ability not to have to work. I want to be freaking rich. That's really sure. what I want to be. Yeah. I want to have so much money that neither myself or my family have to really wander about stuff. And why not? Is that audacious? Sure, but it's personal growth. Like... I can also afford to do a lot of things with that money, donate a lot of things to yeah, a lot of things. Do a lot of good. I, mean, I can afford to do a lot of things. So, um, it it was, it was you know step one is climb out of a hole. Step two, climb the mountain. Yeah. Um, and and that's around the time frame in 2013 when that shift happened. It's a very personal thing. You just hit a plateau. And you start looking around, what's next? So the next growth element involved. What now, was, was part uh, of that then, transition, was part of that transition the fact that you were able to, uh, basically through your, through your units, the small multifamilies and, and going back, um, I remember that podcast, you're managing these yourself. Um, so was part of that transition the fact that you got to the point of, of having enough income to go, okay, right. kind of expenses are paid, so now let me like, what's next? That, that was part of it. So you did kind of achieve, uh, I think Brandon Turner would call that like level one financial independence. You, you got to that point with the small multis. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
do you remember Ben how many how many units you had where you would kind of reach that point of, of having I don't know, to... a little over 30 okay um, at the point I decided I was done with that game okay and is that is that when you moved or did you start doing the bigger stuff in Ohio before you moved no I couldn't really I couldn't fiduciary wise I couldn't bear the concept of putting people's money into Ohio Okay. Or really any to any place in the Midwest. Because you don't um, see that as a growth market. Is that right? Okay, non-growth markets. Yeah. There's, there's one good market in Ohio, and it's Columbus, Ohio. And it's sure. only good if you compare it to everything else in you know, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, that kind of thing. You can't compare it to Texas. You can't compare it to Atlanta. You can't compare it to Phoenix. You can't compare it to really, truly good market. You know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So – made the move i'm sure it sounded like that was something you wanted to do anyway was move to some more yeah weather. we moved because and this is an interesting thing and maybe your listeners get anything out of it um the most powerful technique in life is synergy so you never want to do anything because it's only good in one way it 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 okay. needs to be good in three or four different ways. Like the reason we moved, well, we wanted the weather. Okay. We also wanted good property, low property taxes and property insurance because we believed it would be a contributed to growth market. We also wanted good real estate. We also wanted dry climate. We also wanted uh, a, 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 a a free choice state relative to vaccinations, for instance. Okay. It was important to my wife with our kids and things. So it's, it's a synergy of things that, you know, and we looked at a couple of different locations. It's just Phoenix ended up being the favorite. That's um, cool. Yeah. Everything was working out. So uh, I've made it a kind of a core principle in how I do the things I do. I want to, make sure that what I do has a positive impact in more than one direction. Yeah. Because then if something doesn't work out this way, at least it's working very positively in this other direction. Yeah. So I still can feel good about yeah. having made the move. You're not going to regret the decision just because one right. area didn't work out. Yeah. That right. makes a lot of sense. So yeah, we wanted this for the charter schools, for the kids. We wanted this uh, for the weather, for ourselves. We wanted it because this is where we wanted to live like this. Uh, we wanted it because real estate was good and we knew we were going to figure something out uh, with the real estate and making money. So it, it was a synergy yeah, of that's awesome. positive elements as we could, you know, identify at that. Sure. Point. Sure. So Ben, take us, um, you, you hit on it just a little bit, but let's dig in a little bit to that, that transition that you made where you decided, um, Okay, I've reached kind of level one financial independence through these through these uh, small multis. You know, built a little portfolio, got to the point where it's spinning off enough cash flow to cover expenses. But you realize um, it, it's not going to make you wealthy. Um, you, you can keep building them up, and it, it just it just builds a little bit more cash flow. So um, you, you can go a long way and, and have nice cash flow and be making a nice income, but you're not going to be wealthy. Um, tell us a little bit about that transition in your mind to say this isn't the route. I can't keep doing this. I want to do something different. Well, it's because 
the decision was not driven by empirical data. It wasn't about cash flow, and it wasn't really about even wealth. It was about intellectual worth. You wake okay. up one day, and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you realize you're not the guy you were. Like, you would, you would throw up to buy another fiveplex. You can just, you know, buy a billion of them and have a very nice net worth and a lot of cash flow. You can. You, you got to feel yourself being successful. And you can't be successful if the guy you're looking at staring at you from the mirror is not the guy you see in your head. It's the most depressing thing ever. And so that's the place I got to. And yeah, I wasn't okay. going to have it. There needed to be a shift, uh, a pivot. And I just embraced it. And I said, okay, I'm not that guy anymore. I need to grow. And yep. I didn't know which direction I was growing in, but I just knew I needed to grow. Something had to give. Yeah. Things needed to change. And so I just let them change. Well, you weren't the same person. I think there's a couple of things at play, but it, yeah, that, that's really good. Cause I think a lot of people uh, find themselves in that situation. Maybe, maybe it's different, but um, thinking some of those same ideas, but you weren't the same person because you knew so much more too. I mean, you know, you had come so far in those, you know, seven years or whatever. So you literally weren't the same person. You had so much more knowledge, so much more experience and an understanding of real estate that you just didn't have for the past seven years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I think it, it's, I don't think everybody has it maybe as much as, as you do, but um, I think growth is so powerful. And I think if we stop growing um, there, it's just, we're not living uh, quite like we would be if we're growing. And I think you have that in spades, but I think a lot of people get to that point, you know, with their job and then, you know, they end up reading rich dad, poor dad and they go, man, yeah. Like, and that's where it becomes intolerable for them, right? Where they're like, I, right. I cannot allow myself to, to go to this same job, do the same thing because, you know, they realize that 30, you know, maybe it's a little bit later, maybe even 40, but they're like, I'm going to be doing this exact same thing if, if I don't change anything for the next 25, 30, 35 years. And yeah, they get to the point where like, I can't do that. So that, yeah. And that would that's work true. just fine. There is a, there's a type of personality sure. yep. and they would love nothing more. I'm just saying, I'm not like that. Yeah, I'm not either. Yeah, I, I, I need mean. to be doing different things. Right. I, like and, you said, not everybody's like that. Um, is your wife and how, how did she react when you said, hey, I got this nice little thing going. You know, it's getting pretty comfortable because, you know, I built up this nice portfolio and we got this nice income. Um, I want to do something totally different. How did, how did the wife and how did the, the family take that? Well, <laughs> I mean, first of all, let me let me zoom in so you can see my wonderful pool because you know I'm kind of a kind of an ass like this, you know. <laughs> right. you know? We can see it. We can see it. So enjoy it. Uh, my wife uh, has supported me and stood by me uh, through uh, all kinds of harebrained ideas, yeah. from uh, launching a. Uh, vending machine business that failed miserably nice to real estate to to you know cffu selling products online that kind of thing um the simple answer is i cannot be happy unless i am satisfied with my growth i can't be a good husband a good father mm -hmm. unless i'm happy Therefore, she didn't really have a choice. Yeah. 
I mean, I needed to do what I needed to do as a dude. I just needed to do certain things. And then on a more kind of down to earth kind of way, hey, babe, we're not gonna be worrying about numbers with five zeros on them. We're gonna, we're gonna go after the numbers with six and seven zeros in them. Would you like me to do that? Yeah, yeah, baby, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, that, that sounds sounded good. pretty good, yeah. But that's still, it's still, it's still a risk because I mean, you know, it, it's you taking a big jump. Now she probably had built up some trust and I, I like what you say. I mean, I, I think, you know, every spouse has, has a real interest um, for one, you know, she loves you. So she wants you to be happy. But like you said, when, if you're not happy and you're coming home, you know, bummed out every day and, and disinterested in what you're doing, like you said, I mean, she would be the same way. Like you're not going to be as good of a, a spouse, as good of a husband, right? But it's still, it's still taking some risk because, you know, she's never seen you close on a hundred unit, 150 unit yet. Did she, had she built up enough trust that like, you know, you know what you're doing in real estate or was it like, Hey, we'll, we'll try this out for a while. Let's see how it goes. We built up. A, no, a we sold life. our house okay. in Ohio uh, and we left, but for her, it was, again, it was a synergy. The kids needed to go. Sure. So she wanted she to, needed anyway. to go. Yeah. I mean, we were just done with Ohio. So Whatever it was going to end up being, it was going to be better than Ohio. It was going to be different from Ohio. It was going to be better than Ohio. We just decided some mindset. We decided, yep. and she decided, um, and there it was. Yeah, that's great. I love that synergy because on this podcast and with my company, Threefold, a big focus is, is the family and the synergy that you can find uh, for your family through real estate. I mean, most people would say that a reason they get into real estate is something to do with their family, wanting more time with their family, wanting to provide better for the family, you know, more, more uh, financial support, but also like just the experiences that come with that, the travel, uh, the things you get to do. Um, so yeah, I, I totally believe in that synergy. And it's great that your family found that. Uh, I like that. So um, man, I'm, I'm at personally just real quick and it doesn't matter about me, but I'm just a good example because I'm right where you were. So I've got 34 units here in Ohio. Um, I, I want to be, uh, out, out between Cincinnati and Dayton. I'm uh, hey, are, okay. quick question, important question. Are you still a Buckeye? I was never a Buckeye. Oh wow. Well, good. So I'm glad. Well, we're glad you left Ohio then. I mean, that was yeah, never yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I was never a Buckeye. <laughs> There's not a single palm tree in Ohio. How can you be anything associated with Ohio when there's like blue skies one and a half days out of the year? No, not come a single, on. Not a single palm tree. Blue skies here today, 85 degrees here today. It's just like Yeah, with, with humidity, 120. Well, it's a little humid. It's a little humid. That's, that's how we hey, – And the only reason crops. to put in a pool in the backyard is so that you can skate on it five months out of the year. Oh, wow. Come on. Yeah, okay. Okay. We, we not, got it. Not, hey, not, not this isn't people. a podcast about how terrible Ohio is and how great – phoenix is we, we know well, you can cut it out dude you've got the power to cut this whole thing out <laughs> i might have to do that i haven't had to do that yet in an interview but this might be the first thank, this thank is the first me. interview with me should have known <laughs> right. all right well hey so i got 34 units in ohio just so you know you, you had 28 well you had over 30 so right where you were so I, let's let's say i'm, I'm ready to, to burn the ships and, and get into the big stuff i want to get into the big stuff like you so how do i do that how, how did you make that leap uh, what did that look like for you to go from buying the small stuff to buying the big stuff? My mentality is I'm still a small guy. I just do big deals. And sure. my okay. competitive advantage is that I'm here. I can still yeah. go like, I don't believe in wholesale syndication. 
I think syndication is a, an opportunistic technique. It works when it works, but it doesn't always work. It doesn't work in every market. It doesn't work in every cycle. It just, mm. it's very specific to when and how and why it works. And what makes the difference for, for Sam and I is that we're local. So we're literally like block by block. We can get in the car and go look at something. Um, there's no chance we're going to run out of deal anytime soon because we live in a city of five million. Yeah. So it's a big place with a lot of opportunity. But um, if, if you are sitting in Cincinnati trying to underwrite a deal in Texas, then you are looking at statistical data that's probably at least six months old. Okay. If you are really in a growth market, then that market is gone here and your data is still here. So how do you underwrite that? You're going to be off. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you be competitive against a guy like me in Phoenix? How do I be competitive a guy against a guy like, you know, whoever in Texas? You know? Yep. Yeah. So – uh, I, I'm, I'm not, if this is why I find it difficult to talk about. People ask, how do I get into syndication? If I have to explain this to you, you are not ready to get into syndication. That's my whole point. Okay, sure. So now you should know this. I got to, um, like, like I said, again, going back to the episode 14 on bigger pockets, I feel like listening to you then and listening to you now, obviously you've made a lot of changes. I mean, it was, um, seven years ago, but one thing it seemed like you, you've changed your mind a little bit on, but I, I'd like you know, help me understand a little bit. Maybe, maybe you haven't so much changed your mind, but it seemed like back then you would have said more that you were a buy and hold guy and, and thinking like holding for long term. Um, that, that episode, I listened to another episode where you're on with, um, uh, Brian Burke, right. That, that Yeah. And, and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm opposite of Ben. I, I don't hold on to anything. And I feel like here lately, you've kind of given him some credit for helping you understand. And then, um, on the most recent podcast you were on, you said, um, you consider multifamily and, and the apartment syndication that you're doing now a long-term flip. And I really yeah. like, like the way you, you said that. So can you, can you dig into that a little bit and explain your thinking there? Well, sure. You know, when, when you have a six-unit building and it cash flows five or $600 a month, and it's, it's fine, you got no money in the deal, everything is financed, and you're still cash flowing, and you feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah. But not as good as when you go to sell it and put like, you know, $80,000 in your pocket. Right. Then you're looking at this $80,000 in your bank account. And you're going, shit, who needs $600 a month? Yeah. Right. How long, okay. how many months does it take you to, to get to 80,000? Well, it took a few years. You're yeah. You're talking about years. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's where the concept of a long-term flip comes in. Yeah. Okay. It, yep. It's, it's, that's exactly what it is. So Basically, what I realized is that, hey, my job is to maximize the return. Right. And that's an opportunistic perspective. So I exit as soon as I can in order to hit my hurdle. Because then I de-risk completely. I have no risk left because I've sold the property. Right. Uh, or I finance the property out. I have no money in the property. That kind of thing. Uh, but I realized that that $600 a month won't make me rich. The $80,000 in the bank is what makes me rich. So the cash flow is just a vehicle to facilitate the process. 
to facilitate okay. the whole period so that I can stay in the deal long enough. Now, the reason I call it, whoops, sorry. The reason I call it a long-term flip is because I don't know how long it'll take. I don't know what the market is going to do. So I want right. to be prepared right. to hold it for a decade if I need yeah. to. You don't have, okay? yeah, you never want to be in a position to have to sell, but. Right. Yeah. But if I want to get out in two years because I'm making enough profit, then why should I be a long-term hold investor? I'm making plenty of money and I'm making it quicker. So I feel like the, one of the only things, not one of the only things, but one of the first things I think people would say to you, Ben, is, well, for taxes. So the reason you should hold longer than two years is because you're going to get crushed on taxes. So what do you say to that? Dude, if I can achieve a 60% internal rate of return on my money in two years, why would I sit on it for a decade so I can save 15% on taxes? I mean, right. that's just okay. stupid kind of logic. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, we all, have, we all have a portfolio over here that generates cash flow. And then we have flips over here. And then we have this. And then we have, I mean, you, you have, again, everything is about synergy. So uh, some assets in my portfolio, I would not sell. But the reason I wouldn't sell them is because I feel there's much more growth potential because of what they are and where they are. Okay. So yeah, yeah. One size doesn't fit all, but just going back to your example, you know, talking about like, yeah, let's say you got a six unit property. Uh, you're spending off 600 bucks a month, but you've got a chance to sell and make 80. I mean, is, is part of that idea, the velocity of money that you can say, yes. well, sure I can. Okay. Because that's how I think about it. And you, um, I thought you referenced this book. I think I got it right here. Yeah. 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 Um, didn't you mention one time um, this book by Steve Burgess buying and selling apartment buildings? Is that not someone? Okay. Cause that, that book, that book hits on maybe you, you must've referenced one that it's very similar, but it just talks about the power of, you know, not holding forever, but actually selling apartment building, taking that money, you know, making your money, like the velocity well, the of money. The whole concept of holding forever. Turning what does that money. even mean? Uh, yeah. I don't know. You not, know, not paying taxes. Listen, I think listen. it's just, yeah, you're trying to avoid taxes the whole time, I guess. And paying, paying something off, which then. Yeah. But at some through. point, listen, at some point your roof needs replaced, your furnaces right. need replaced, your windows need replaced, your everything. So uh, when that time comes, you are going to stroke a huge check because that's not an if, that's a when right. that's going to happen. So I certainly don't want to be sitting right there and having to be the guy that does it. So you need to, you need to exit, plan on exiting reasonably, you know, so that you don't get dinged and don't get penalized for the, you know, the deterioration of the property. So um, that's just simple math. Yeah. Well, like and one thing... One thing I've got the way I kind of been thinking about lately, I mean, just again, back to this example, because I think it's helpful for people to have like, you know, a, a, a tangible example, but you got a six unit, you can sell it and make 80,000 or someone can say, well, I'm making 600, you know, I'll just sit here and make that 600. You're making 600 a month. It's going to take you 11 years to make 80,000. So to me, yeah. So we take that 80,000, let's say the government takes 20,000 of it. So you know, we're, we're left with Yeah, you're going to reinvest it and then sure. you're going to compound it. So there's no question. That's what I, yeah. What can you do with that 60,000 in the next 11 years? Right. That's right. kind of the idea behind it. Yeah. How many more properties can you buy? And, and right. And not only that, that, but you have to uh, realize that, you know, there is such a thing as inflation. $600 today buys more than $600 is going to buy five years from now. Yeah. So in terms of buying power, and that's why we underwrite to the IRR, which is internal rate of return, because we discount to time. 
all those cash yep. flows, right? That means a lot. In other words, we analyze net present value, how much this buys today versus how much it's gonna to buy tomorrow. Um, and there's no count it. I mean, the sooner you can take money off the table, the better overall your chances are. That doesn't necessarily mean like, at some point you're gonna be done. At some point you're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna keep these $30,000 of cash flow because this is what I'm done. I'm not gonna buy anymore. I just wanna travel the world. I'm gonna live on this cash flow. I'm gonna keep these buildings. But this is where you go out and you buy newer stuff or you build brand new stuff that's not going to need any money for the next 20 years put into it. And you hold on to that stuff and you pass that stuff on to your kids. Yeah. So yeah. in that cycle in your life, you keep the cash flow because the rate of return is not really the topic of conversation at the top of your thinking. At that point, you just want $50,000 a month of cash flow in assets that are easy to manage, outsourced, don't break down because they're newer, and you just ride off in the sunset. Yeah, yeah, I, that's the I'm way not, I think I'm about it. I'm not there yet. Right, I, I think about that too. I think, yeah, back, you know, you kind of said, you know, what is it, you know, hold forever. To me, that's guys that aren't looking to build wealth. They already have it. They're there, right. you know. They're, they're the point, like, I, I don't really know how I can spend all this money, so they're just looking to park it. Right. And that's why, you know, sometimes investing in the big stuff can be difficult because you are competing against guys sometimes that aren't looking to make the returns that you're looking to make. They're looking to park money that they've, they've already made it. They've got the wealth and they're just looking, right. like, yeah, we're trying to do something very different. I mean, obviously you know, I'm 10 steps behind you. So I'm really, you know, more in that where, yeah, I'm trying to build the wealth. So yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And I've had a little bit of transition myself um, to go from thinking of just a, a monthly number. You know, I think that's maybe how a lot of people get started in this. What do I need per month? And okay, how many units is that going to take? And you get on this rat race to get to that. But then yeah, at some point you go, man, am I really building wealth? What does it look like if I really want to build wealth? And to me, I started looking at, okay, well, I've got a ton of equity in these. It probably looks like selling, turning that money, you know, and doing it again. And again, yeah. And then bigger and bigger. Um, well, real quick, man, I, you, you've given us so much already. If you don't mind, um, you know, one thing I think a lot of people think about, you know, maybe the bigger they get, they want to tackle some bigger deals is partnering. Um, do you mind hitting on that a little bit and what that looked like for you? Sure. Uh, for you to partner? Again, all about synergy. Um, Sam Grooms, my partner, he's a CPA. He is absolutely better than me at certain things. Period. Yeah. To the point where, listen, you just do it. I'll make more work for you if I try to do it and then you have to come back and do it right. Um, there are things that I'm absolutely better than him at. So it's, it's a good, you know, it's, it's a value proposition and it's yeah. a synergy. Yep. Um, so partnering is um, how much value does this person add to your life and in what way? And how did you, how did you meet Sam? Where did you guys connect at? Through Brandon. Oh, okay. Okay. Through a mutual friend in the Everything real estate world. Everything goes through Brandon Turner. <laughs> Everything in this life and and bigger pockets universe and He's real estate overlord. universe with the advent of bigger pockets. You know, it's like this. If we're talking about real estate, we're talking about bigger pockets. If we're talking about bigger pockets, Brandon had his hand in it somehow in some yeah. ways. Yeah. I mean it, there's a lot of truth to that. He he put him together with me. Okay, that's cool. 
Oh, neat. Um, all right, Ben, anything else? What, what would you say? Um, you know, a lot of people will ask like, like what, what's the key ingredient for somebody uh, to succeed in multifamily real estate investing? Sam would say organizational skills. I would okay. tend to agree. It's absolutely key. Um, clearly you have to have a mind for it and there's a whole lot of knowledge um, that, that goes with it. But I would say organizational skills, perseverance. Yeah. It's very difficult. Um, you know, not giving up. But I also don't think uh, that you want to do it too soon. Okay. Uh, because unless you have an amazing capacity around numbers, what you need to do is internalize the dynamics. You'll extrapolate numbers later. You just need to know how things behave. So don't be in too much of a hurry. That, like my comment to you, I think you might have taken it the wrong way. Like if you're asking these questions, you're clearly not ready. That's because you haven't internalized certain things that you yeah, no, should I appreciate internalize that. organically uh, through just doing stuff, right? Um, and that's really what I meant. Mm -hmm. uh, it's you'll know when you're ready. When you're ready, you'll know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. No, no, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I, you know, it certainly didn't take it um, in a negative way at all. Uh, you saying that. All right, Ben, well, I've already taken up a lot of your time. You've been very generous and uh, you've given us a lot to think about and a lot to act on. So um, I think we'll let you go for today. Well, it's been a pleasure. Hey, real quick. Um, you've got a just, just ask Ben why.com still correct. Is that a good place correct. to find you? And then I know you're, all over bigger pockets is those be the two places. I am. I am. Okay. And then um, I, I was just listening the other day to you and Sam um, and one other guy that kind of interviews, but you guys have your own podcast. You put out kind of like a little series of podcasts once or twice a year. Yeah. We, and, we and try you guys to really so, just sit there and kind of take everybody through your process of how you're, how you're buying these apartment buildings. Right. Yeah. It's called multifamily syndication unscripted. Yeah. And I don't even know if there's going to be another season, but basically it's a, net, a Netflix model where we record all of the shows each season and then push the entire season out. And frankly, we're so busy. I don't know if another season is going to happen or if it does, when. Sure. It's, it's not a priority. Yeah, the ones you guys, I think the last one you guys released was in February, but that's a good listen. I would recommend anybody to go listen to They're those. They're good shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys really dig in and, and kind of explain people, you know, the nitty gritty of, of buying and, and uh, repositioning apartment buildings. Right. That's cool. All right, Ben. Well, hey, thanks again for your time. It's been a real treat. I uh, hope to talk it's to you again soon. It's my pleasure. It's Thank my you. pleasure. Thank you, Lee. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.